Welcome to episode 7 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with 20 years of experience that likes to help people learn more about the video games industry. Every Wednesday, I have one of my friends from the industry to talk about their careers, how they got started, and lessons they learned along the way, all while answering viewer questions in the live stream. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to join us live next time and get your own questions answered. Today, we have Ryan McKay joining us again to continue our discussion. He's lead gameplay designer at Archetype Entertainment. We get into some real talk about the years we worked together at Deep Silver Volition and deep into things like layoffs and how they affect you and those around you at a game studio. So let's get started. But I'm excited to get talking, man, because now is the point of our discussion where we get to where we actually met, which was at Volition, right? This is true. Yeah. This is very true. We did meet at Volition. Yeah. So what what year was it when you made the transition over there? Because I got there in October of 08. Um, the year was 2012. <laughs> um, well, I actually... So it was I 2012? Got, was it really? It was 2012. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, wow. it was 2012. Um, I got hired... Um, I got my offer in, in like, November... Yeah, and with like Christmas and Thanksgiving and uh, all of that. Plus, we were supposed to finish uh, Ghost Recon: Future Soldier in uh, at the end of January. Um, I was like, okay, if I could start, you know, toward the end of January, that would be good. That way, I can make sure that they're just in certification, all of that, and they'll be fine. They'll be okay. Right. Um. <laughs> the day I went to give my two weeks notice, they announced that the it was getting pushed to March, and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. And the day I went to give my two weeks notice at Red Storm, uh, I hadn't gone to talk to um, the owner yet, and we got an email that was, oh, this person's leaving. I'm like, what? Oh no! Another designer. Another designer gave his two weeks the same day I gave my two weeks. It was. <laughs> It, it was, was a crazy. massacre. It, um, <laughs> it was it was intense, um, like camping. And um, oh man, <laughs> what dad jokes? Uh, you're allowed. It's fine. I know. I know. I know. Uh, so uh, I I started at the end of January. Of course, it was you know butt cold because it's Champaign, Illinois. Yeah, and. Oh, hold on. My my four-year-old has very important things to tell me, apparently. Oh. Oh, somebody put something on the porch. Oh, okay. Was it a dog maybe turd? It's my new, maybe it's my new boom arm, because this <laughs> one can't handle this this thick boy microphone that yeah. I've got. Um, you said you got a Yeti, right? Yeah, I got a Yeti X. Nice. Yeah. Either that or it's somebody canvassing or something, whatever. Anyway, you never know. Uh, but I was used to the cold already. We had lived in South Bend, Indiana, and whatever. Um, so that wasn't a big deal. Um, I will say one of the <laughs> we briefly talked about my interview at uh, at Volition, but one of my my favorite parts <laughs> of uh, the interview at Volition 
was when I interviewed with David Abzug and John Brunkhart together. Oh, okay. And um, I don't know if you know this, but Zug likes to talk. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> Zug talks a lot. Sure um, does. And uh, so he was pretty vocal at the beginning and kind of got all my design answers out of me. And uh, it, he was like, oh, JB, do you want to ask any questions? JB's like, um, well, what do you think of corn? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so one it was, of the two things that is in abundance in Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Along with college students. College students and corn. That's what you got. Got those corn sweats. That's, what is corn sweats? No. What's this? I don't know what corn sweats are. <laughs> um. But I had them, apparently. <laughs> and you were going to so, get them. Oh, yeah. And you, you definitely will get them. Um, so, yeah, I started in January as the lead combat designer. And what, what, was, what was weird for me walking into this position, right? Like every other place that I had, I had been at this point, which was a whole two of them, as we discussed last time, um, was that... Uh, you know, I had kind of worked my way into a position of leadership. This is the first place where I started as a lead, right? Like, and right. that is a that is a completely different feeling. Um, sure uh, is, and a completely <laughs> different job, right? You, because you you're you're having to, um, you know, you you have to gain the trust of people that you're you're walking into, and the you just know at, at at this point in the industry, like the, the I'd been in six years and I'm like, I'm walking in at least one of these people that is going to be on my team probably wanted this job. Right. Um, the, the, the reason that companies bring people in from the outside is because breadth of experience wanting to, uh, you know, make the studio a, a, a richer environment because there's every studio has a different way of doing things. Yeah. There are a lot of different production philosophies and a lot of places copy each other. And that's, right. that's cool. But the, the reality is that your own personal experience and, and what you get from every place, like I'd worked with Ubisoft and that was one of the, one of the big selling points of me. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd work for a giant studio um, you know, how did that work? Like you had worked it with EA. So for you right. too, like, um, you know, coming in, uh, how is that going to, how does that work? And a, a lot of people at Volition, I need to preface this, what I'm about to say, and I do not mean this as a negative. A lot of people at Volition have only been at Volition. Oh yeah. A lot, fine, a lot, right? yeah. like a lot of them. Um, and it is, uh, and I've talked to people that have only been at Volition and they actually mention, Oh, are we already at, we are Five not. Shots. We are not. They they were redeemed. They went big boy off the bat, so they left the cheap ones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So okay. so for everybody that that's new to this, uh, you can use your channel points down on the bottom left hand of the uh, of the chat to redeem points to make me take shots, and uh, and, I'm, and also I'm Ryan will be taking too. them with me. So. Yep. So actually, let's so, let's let's take one real quick. We can get okay. one out of the way. We got. We'll, we'll yeah, take let's, one. Let's go ahead and do one. Get, go ahead and get started. Everybody! Cheers, oh. buddy. Woo! 
this tastes like eating coffee jelly beans, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> Look, I have an aging barrel sitting on my desk mm -hmm. that I just keep filled with Jameson. And I just turn a little knob and there's liquid gold that comes into my throat. It's nice. See, I have to pour. That's a, that's a bit... That's, I, I don't have it as easy. I don't have a barrel of crack and I can just, you know, have Yet. a tap. Yet. Yet. Yes, the key word. Soon, maybe. Uh, we're working from home forever, so soon, maybe. Um, but, you know, I've talked to a lot of people at Volition that had only been there. And a lot, yeah. <laughs> they, they actually appreciate, you know, the people that come in that can bring that outside experience yeah. of, you know, what, what other studios are doing and whatnot. And... Um, when I when I was hired, I was hired to work on Saints Row Four, which you were the lead designer on Saints Row Four. That's right. Good times. You that was were. my that was my first director role, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So you know that 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 job started out as trying to you know feel out the team, feel out the um who you know, who is going to be best suited to do what. Um, and we, we worked through so, so many different, like, <laughs> iterations of everything. Sure and did. how much should we talk about how Saints Row 4 wasn't Saints Row 4 until oh it was Saints Row 4? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I talk about that quite a bit in general, because, like, the, here's how I remember it. And, and you might be able to, this is my quick overview part, and we can dig in as much as you want, but... We, as Saints Row the Third was still being developed, we were already working on four, right? And so we were we were going down a path with that game. And long story short, as as three came out, three point five was happening, right? As, as Zelly mentions, and then uh, then THQ decided that they wanted to basically go bigger with three point five, and so we took some of the elements of four some of the elements of 3.5 put the three team on it for the most part. And then that's kind of became this new four. And then as that happened, I moved off to work on it on a new IP. That's kind of my, my brief overview of, of kind of how it went down. <laughs> that's the brief. That, that is the super brief. That overview. is super brief. Now is that, yeah. does that generally fall in line with what you remember? <laughs> oh, it does. Um, I mean, there are, there's a lot of crazy stuff uh, that that happened though. Yeah, so let's I, talk about it. <laughs> um, first off, I have to say, on the plane ride on my, for my interview to Illinois, there was this dude sitting next to me that lived in Illinois and was like, "You should never move here. The governor is the worst. <laughs> They're raising my taxes." Oh my. The taxes like, were oh pretty God. bad there, honestly. But. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, okay, man, whatever. Um, <laughs> so. Exactly. I see that. That's cool. Um, he's rambunctious today. Uh, so that's Ian, right? Uh, exactly. That's Ian. That's my 19 year old yeah. uh, shoving Duplo in my face. That's right. Uh, um, so I'm, I go up to, to Volition knowing that THQ is in trouble. Right. Um, and we, we briefly talked about this. Like the the U draw um oh. was which was amazing for the Wii, 
uh, was not so amazing for the uh, Xbox and PlayStation. So, uh, well, you know. for, for the Wii U, right? They 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 invested so much in the Wii U version, and then nobody bought a Wii U. So that that was one or big the, issue. Or or the or the other ones. Yeah, like or the they, other they ones. Just, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they just they just had a sea of them. Um, you know, I kind of forgot that it ended up on like the 360 and stuff. I forgot they did yeah. those versions. I think everybody yep. else did too. I mean, I'm sure the rest <laughs> of them are buried where right. the ET cartridges with the ET cartridges. Are. <laughs> yep. Um, but the the my my whole take going up there was, you know, I'm walking into a lead role on a game that I actually enjoy, right? And if any if any of the studios under THQ's banner are going to be fine, right? Any of them, it's going to be volition, right? Like they're going to come out of this and they're going to be okay. So I I move up knowing that things are bad for THQ, um, but taking the risk because uh, career-wise, I, I wanted to, to make that jump, not to lead. I, 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 was, I, I had been a lead at, at Red Storm already, but um, to actually work on something bigger and more in line with what I personally enjoy. Right. Um, and, and that's something that I think is important. And, and I, I touched on this briefly when I mentioned, you know, go work on whatever you can get on. Um, you know, tactical shooters, not my favorite genre in yeah. the universe. Silly open world game, much closer to, to my favorite <laughs> kinds of games. Right, yeah. Um, but it, it took me six years to get there. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it took a bit, and that's fine. But that, that's, that's why I wanted to, to, make that, to make that leap. Yeah. Um, and uh, I get there. Like I said, you know, we're, we're working on uh, Saints Row 4. And I mean, it, have you talked about what it was? I, I have not. I have not. And I'm happy to. Like, I, I, I usually don't really talk about it. I just talk about how, you know, it was, you know, we, we were going down one path with it and then it kind of changed course. And, but I never, I never really talked much about what it was. But I, I mean, I, I think it's worth talking about. Oh, yeah, it is. It, Absolutely. It, it's. It, it the the concept was so much fun. Right? Yeah. Um. It was playing off of the uh, clones DLC. Um. And you're you're still going to be in Steelport, which you were in Steelport in in four anyway. So that didn't change. That was right. the same. <laughs> um. Except you were actually going uh the historical figures had been cloned. So right. you had you know Cleopatra. Uh, you had uh, Genghis Khan, uh -huh. um, and you had Adolf Hitler. I thought it was Stalin. No, it was Hitler. Was it Hitler? We had Stalin no, in remember, there, didn't we? No, remember Hitler in the wheelchair and then the whole QTE <laughs> that we were going to do? That's right. And then he becomes robo-Hitler. Oh, that's right. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, like... Um, so yeah, like uh, there there was there was a lot that was wrapped in that. Um, You're gonna remind me of so much that I forgot tonight. Like you really are. It's been a while. It's been a while. The uh, I, I I still think that the uh, one of my favorite missions that we like specked out and talked about was the hangover style mission with Genghis Khan after you won his loyalty. <laughs> um, man, I forgot. 
I forgot about that. And what was it? He was going to his girlfriend was Stephen Colbert's daughter because Stephen Colbert was the president. Like, oh, I was that that happened a little later, right? Like, we actually reached out to him about that, and he was not into it though. <laughs> no, no, he was not. Um, but man, I. But yeah, like you know, we're working on this game, and I I think that. I'm trying to remember the exact timing. I was probably, that was probably still six months of my time there. Yeah. Was the, um, So you came in original Saints Row 4. Yep. Okay. And so, I, man, you're, you're reminding me of so many things that I'd forgotten about because we, like Saints Row the Third was still like full on in development. So for a long time, it was a very, it was almost a skeleton crew of us as directors and, you know, and a few people starting to figure out what this game was. And you, you were one of the first that came in, especially in a lead role to end. Cause I remember being like, I remember specifically being like, yes, I finally have real help. You know, like there was a point there where, where we weren't able to kind of make the progress that I wanted, you know? <laughs> so it was a, <laughs> a welcome addition to say the least. Hooray. Well, I'm glad I could help. And then, then we changed everything with, and then we changed everything. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, so what ended up happening was probably about five or six months into when I was there. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head stuff from eight years ago at this point. And right. It's hard. You're remembering um, more than I do. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, so 12 years ago or 12 years ago, eight years ago. Um, and, you know, six months, we, THQ forms this this plan i almost called it a plot and it kind of was well, a plot <laughs> <laughs> um and all of this stuff is like public information because it had to be right uh, <laughs> uh, i love telling this story i love telling this story <laughs> um we thq hired jason rubin to save the save the ship right and get the studios in, in good position, uh, so forth and so on. Um, and the one of the the call that was made is exactly what you mentioned that Saints Row Four. Uh, we needed to leverage stuff we had already done and work that we already had, and um, you know, make something smarter, not harder. Right. Yep. That adage. Well, cool. but but also, um, Jason really liked the the Enter the the Matrix stuff, oh, right? Yeah. Enter so, the Dominatrix, right? Get that's right. true. It was Dominatrix. Dominatrix, and everybody thought it was yeah. a joke at first too, and which was hilarious. Wasn't it revealed on April Fool's? It was. Day? It was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, I mean, the, um, the marketing has generally been very good with this. Yes, but Saints Row, it was. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah like you know we're going to turn uh 3.5 into uh this uh this full game you know superpowers blow all this stuff out so for so on and it's like okay cool 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 that sounds great um what am i gonna do because <laughs> right we already have somebody that's doing the combat over here yeah you'll be fine we'll just have you work on superpowers okay i'll work on work on superpowers so that's what i end up doing all right i go from 
developing systems for open world combat and making sure combat fronts are established and uh you know the good old arguments you have about does saints row need cover or not um, oh man and and trying to sell people on that um and there is the whole gun kata thing which was actually kind of cool like right. there there um man you're bringing but, up so many things i haven't <laughs> thought about in at least 6 or 7 years like um and uh so then it's like okay we're going to we're we're going to do this and you're going to work on superpowers and i worked on superpowers and we we got that project out the door right like it it took a bit um what ended up <laughs> happening in that time uh, was that what Jason Rubin was actually trying to do was to uh, set us up to be purchased by a private equity firm. Right. Um, and uh, for those people that don't know, what private equity firms do is they like to buy things cheap, mm -hmm. close everything, and then declare bankruptcy and make a lot of money. Right. I, at least I think that that's well, how that works. Well, so, or, I mean, they wanted to... They report it as a loss, right? Right. Like, they wanted to basically yeah. get rid of all the company's debt, right? Because after coming yeah. up from all the, the UDRAW failures and moving away from licensed products and going into the Danny Bilson, you know, era of let's let's make ev you, every studio making big games. What's that? Did you know? What? That Danny Bilson. Oh, no. Created the Rocketeer. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> that's that's what I tell everybody. Like you know, the guy that wrote the Rocketeer. <laughs> Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Where are my jumping aliens? Anyway, um, you think I was joking? You think yeah. I was joking? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is a good time for a second shot. I can't talk about Danny Bilson <laughs> without drinking. <laughs> All right. And to quickly touch on why we were before you got there, my team was working on Red Faction Armageddon. We got almost completely done through pre-production. We're making a true sequel to Gorilla, and Danny Bilson comes on board as creative of THQ, who's later replaced with Jason Rubin, as you mentioned. But he wanted us to change everything. We had to change to Aliens. We had to change the whole story. Basically, pre-production just went out the window, and it was a colossal pain in the ass. <laughs> End of story. Um, yeah. Well, he's who we worked with early on Saints Row 4 as well. Yeah. He yep. was so disinterested, though. He, he was disinterested, <laughs> Father as of I Dixie. remember. Um, he was disinterested in uh, all the aspects of the game. He, I, I seem to recall him being very interested in... Um, how can I use my Hollywood sway to get famous people to to be in this, right? Like yeah. that was that was all he was interested in. Um for that. Oh, and transmedia. Transmedia, Yay. man. How often did we hear that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we did get a Red Faction uh, Armageddon movie out of his dealings, which is was kind of neat. It was a bad movie, but it was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, on sci-fi, sci-fi original. Siffy. 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 <laughs> um but yeah so that jason rubin is trying to set up for um for this you know private equity firm and 
the judge is like, or, so they go, it, it, this is what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the, they go and they go to the bankruptcy court or whatever it was, and they're mm -hmm. like, okay, this, this group is willing to buy it for this much. And the judge is just like, no, the individual assets are worth more. Um, it was because close. there were shareholders that were pissed. It was close. But... The debtors sued when they found out about it. Yes. And so, because the, they're like, we're not going to get our money. And so then, right. then it was ruled on, and they're like, no, instead you're going to sell all of THQ for parts and pay back yep. your debts. So this day in the office, right, is incredible because there's no work going on. No work going on. We get there. There are mimosas uh, set up uh, in the office. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Um, it was a day. <laughs> it was a day. Um, it's just drink, drink, drink. Uh, wait to hear news. And we're hearing news about other studios like um, uh, the studio down here, Vigil. They're like, oh, man. Vigil, they didn't get bought, or well, you know, nobody's putting in a bid for Vigil. Well, let's talk um, about leading up to it because we had companies coming into Volition and kicking the tires, right? Like, yes, EA came in. They were like basically talking with with the executives in our studio, like, who's your good people? Who can we get rid of? Like, what should we keep? What's it going to cost to get you? We and up until the last minute, we thought Warner Brothers was going to get us. And then, and do, why you, do you know Warner the, Brothers get us? Do you know I the know. story? uh-huh yeah because well go ahead you can tell it i tell it all the time <laughs> <laughs> um it had to do with somebody above the game division um like having read or heard about video game like there was something going on with video games are bad and they didn't want to invest in a studio that made mature games yeah he was on an anti-gun right? uh board right. the yep. one of the one of the vps of of acquisition or something so, yeah. And so when he found out about it, he's like, nah, I'm not, we're not going to buy a studio that's all gunplay. But man, fitting in, like, we would have fit in really well with Warner Brothers, honestly. Yeah, I, it, it actually would have at that point. And then, you know, Volition would try to be getting sold again right now. I didn't say anything about that. Um, <laughs> no, to anybody that works at Warner Brothers right now, uh, you know, if you're at a studio that's been making really cool stuff for a while, my story shows you're probably going to be okay. So keep yeah, that in mind. That's hedging your bets, um, right? <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so, so that day was crazy. It was. And we didn't actually hear anything until like three or four o'clock. Well, it was a closed, to, to was it was a closed auction, right? And right. Jacques was there. But yep. and and we were he, getting texts. He'd leak out some information, but yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're getting texts back about what what what's going on, who who's being bid on, and, and there were studios <laughs> that got bought before us, and it was yeah, it was it was weird, and uh, we get noticed that okay, well, uh, actually, this studio called Koch is buying you. And we're like, what? Yeah, Koch. And there was this whole kerfuffle about the Koch brothers or right. the Koch brothers. And we're like, what? We're being purchased by a, a right-wing group? Like, what's going on? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a German group. That's right. They're into publishing. They're looking to get into game dev. Like, okay, cool, I think. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and uh, I will say, like, very next day, they came to the studio. Right. Oh, yeah, like, they, they did. They, they flew yep, from there straight day. down. Yeah. Yep. Uh, to talk to us. And, and they and bought us, us you know. and they bought Saints Row. 
That's that's what yep. they bought, right? They did not buy yep. Red Faction or any of the IPs that that we had under our label, but they wanted us and they wanted Saints Row, which yep. which literally your your assumption about what would happen was coming to fruition, right? Yes, exactly. Um, Nordic bought the all the other like I don't want to say droppings. That's, <laughs> that's the wrong word. <laughs> droppings. Um, all Jesus. the leftovers. <laughs> all the leftovers. The remnants. Left. <laughs> the remnants. Yes, that's what. That's what. Um, <laughs> oh man. That's what. Uh, that's what Nordic bought. That's right. And um, boy, talk we, about coming uh, full circle with that later. We'll get into that later. Oh yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's a fun story. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they they come out they come out the next day Scratch. and they talk to us and uh, dude, I'm sorry. I, I I was trying to think of the word and it wasn't the right word. It was the wrong word. And I got the right word eventually. It's fine. Um, <laughs> oh man, leave it to the and, chat. <laughs> um. Yes, they come out. They talk and tell us. You know, here's our plans. You know, we're. We're going to be hands off. You guys are the experts. I'm looking right at my camera right now. I know. We're going to be hands off. Yeah. That you was true for experts. a while. That was true for a while. It was, it was true for a little bit. Um, I can't wait to hear. Row, I can't wait to hear your version of why that was not always true. I can't wait to hear this. Because <laughs> I have my own opinions. <laughs> um. There, there are a lot of reasons why that wasn't always true, um, and a lot of that goes into uh, being told one thing and having another actually happen, and that happening on both sides of the equation. Um, mm. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> we, we might need a third you know, episode the, for this. Oh, God, maybe. <laughs> um we finished Saints Row 4 and you know it's 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 actually good you know it gets reviewed well we there were some things that ended up changing on there um like who the uh who the opening person was i think that's that's actually been leaked like there are people that has been talked about how we changed who the uh who was in the opening mission um who you were going after with the whole America thing, oh. um, right? Because it ended up being, um, I don't know if anybody's talked about it openly. Should I talk about it openly? You absolutely should, because I'm not even sure what, I'm not even sure what we're talking about at the moment. No, in, in Saints Row 4, right? Right. Uh, originally, um, <laughs> the the person you were going after in the opening mission right was a actual real world world terrorist named Michael Jackson no um <laughs> <laughs> um but you're you're going after somebody that was real and um we were like something happened and I'm not sure what happened but it was like no we can't do that we need to we're we're going to make it uh the um the dude from Saints Row Three that was the leader of the military faction and uh womp, and call womp. it a day. Womp 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 womp. <laughs> I always want I'm so sad nobody got to fight Michael Jackson. Yeah, uh, right. 
Um, but you know that Saints Row Four after that point ended up being pretty straightforward. There wasn't um, there wasn't a, there there weren't tons of questions to answer. Um, it was all pretty. Um, uh, it was figured out, right? We, yeah. we were expanding a DLC that existed. Yep. We were adding uh, content. Um, some of that content we added, we had to change because of Australia. Thanks, Australia. Um, <laughs> but just just in case anybody is unaware, the one of the tricky parts of game development is understanding um, what is allowed where. Yep. Like and it changes and, and it, it, you know, it, it changes. It's different everywhere too. I mean, it's, forever you could not have Nazis in your game and it ship in Germany, right? Like, like right. at all. That was the big one, right? That's the one everyone understood. Yeah, no even Nazis. that now is uh, is not such a big deal. So, which is yeah. interesting. But um, the mission in particular that we had to change yeah, right. for Australia was the uh, dual Shandy mission because the quote unquote drugs were giving you. Uh, positive powers and uh, they really don't that, like that that's right yeah man um so well so while that game is wrapping up we're trying to figure out well what are we going to do next what is volition making next what what what's the what's the bet um and the <laughs> The thing virtual that we landed on, uh, virtual alien drugs. Yeah. Yes, they, they weren't even real drugs. They were That's just right. virtual drugs. Who cares? No drugs um, can be good. <laughs> they can be. Um, I actually wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're we're trying to figure out what's next, and I actually think that this process started before the sale. Um, because, uh, I remember that we had like tons of pitches and tons of different ideas and tons of different ways to go. And, um, we're trying to, you know, make something that is going to, to be positive and all this stuff kind of, it got paused a little bit, uh, when, uh, the the sale was actually happening, but we were we were trying to figure out you know what to do next. And um, up front, you know, we weren't we weren't going to make a Saints Row sequel next. Right. Uh, Ruben was actually very 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 uh, direct in saying that you guys need to do something new. You need to have uh, something a, a brand new IP. And that's what I went to work on. <laughs> something that's different. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, you know, some some people there were pitches that people were really excited about. There were some where people had questions, and there was the one that we landed on. Um, the least favorite of them, uh, in some ways, it was uh, for most people because most people didn't understand it, um, and it it unfortunately took a long time to understand it. and And this is where we get into the meat and potatoes of my uh, my time at Volition, really. Um, and and how this ended up going uh i will say up front if you ever run a game studio never have the hubris and i'm going to use hubris as the word to do 
these three things simultaneously. You're about to tell like literally what's in my, my, uh, my, when I do my talk, I like these three things, here you go. <laughs> a brand new IP, mm -hmm. a brand new engine mm -hmm. and a brand new studio structure. Yep. hundred percent. Do not do it. Pick one, pick one, pick one. One is you plenty. Can, you can maybe do two, maybe do two. If you got enough time, if you have enough time, all three and, is a mistake. And not only that, the structure, let's be clear, was moving to a, a flat structure. Yes. Where where essentially no one could make decisions. And it was right. it was a really like we could get a lot of things 70% of the way, which was great up to a point. And then as yep. soon as we needed to nail it down and move forward and you know really mm, get down to the like nitty-gritty. Yeah, it was real bad. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, a lot of that. Yep. Um, so we're talking, of course, about Agents of Mayhem at this point. Um, and I... We, we did eventually, like, no, we're going to have leads. No, we have, you know, core decision makers on certain pieces and so forth and so on, but... Uh, well, let's, uh, talk, let's talk about what the good part of this is, right? And, yes. and the vision was that you you take a feature or take some mm -hmm. subset of the game and you yep. put a group of experts on it right so let's Correct. make a, a multidisciplined group of people that and give them the freedom to do the right thing within the box that that they're given right which is great yep. right we don't have and the thing that we had gotten into evolution at this point which is true was a whole lot of layers of leads right yep. where it was my lead says this, their lead says this, the lead above them says that. How do I make all this work, right? And it was great that we tried to get away from that because there was a lot of that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it broke down the, the barrier of, well, who do I need to convince? Who do I need to talk to about this? And, and, and those parts aren't necessarily um, bad. It just made it, you know, the, the team needs buy-in on this. The, right. the problem was your team is 120 people and no matter no matter what people are always going to bring what they like into those discussions versus well does this actually fit what i'm working on um, right and that became a problem a lot of the time uh for what we were doing so i was the the lead agent designer uh, on saints row or saints row ages of mayhem <laughs> saints row agents of mayhem I have well, a funny story about that. <laughs> there was lots of um, is it or isn't it, right? Every few months it would is change. Is it or isn't it? Um, and uh, so, so my job was to kind of come up with what, what are these, these playable characters from a gameplay perspective. And I will say this. That project is where I had to work the most closely with other disciplines than any project I've ever been on. And that was a incredibly positive experience nice. because yeah. on the, the gameplay standpoint or from the gameplay standpoint, your agents are your, your, the majority of your gameplay. They right. are what the player is controlling, um, you know, their moment to moment interactions, you know, all of that. And the, the process that we had, um, I actually called it from post-it to prototype, or from post-it to playable, sorry. P prototype is a, a piece in there. Um, and anybody could come up with an idea for an agent. And 
you know, one of the things that kept changing over the course of the entire game was how many agents are we actually going to have in the game? Right. Um, you know, it was we're going to have hundreds of agents. To, well, it was it was going to be a hundred, right? Like that was our, that was our original. So all right, so but, well, hold on. Before we go too far, let, let's let's back up okay, one step. Okay, back up, back up, back up. Because I want to make sure everybody understands what this change was and why, right? Because you know, traditionally Saints Row had always been, you are the boss, you're the guy, yep. you have yep. a customizable character, yep. and and you you know you run the world, whatever, right? And if, and in this case, what we, what we wanted to move to was instead is to make it an, a Saturday morning you know '80s cartoon action game where you're running with a crew. Right. And you've got these customizable characters that are all different and unique. And you, you basically get a bunch of action figures to play with. And instead of, you know, and, and that's what you're doing. You're like swapping in and out. You're, you're doing things that are combining them together to do cool things. Originally, we were going to have all three on screen together. Right. That was working together. That was what I prototyped um, early yep. on. <laughs> like that, that, So that was that was uh, that was the original vision of it was to basically play a cartoon. Right. And, you know, yep. basically be G.I. Joe. Yep, it was it was our uh, Volition's take on GI Joe and uh, and Saturday morning cartoons. Like right. That was the that was the big pitch, right? Um, but as the the lead agent designer, right? Like uh, at the beginning, it was uh, there was just one combat group, and we we're like, okay, if there are going to be any number of agents greater than one, the combat group can't handle all of that. We need an AI group. We need a um an agent group right um so that that group i i will say like just because we had the flat structure didn't mean we uh we were devoid of having a leadership structure it was right. more the team needs to figure this out right. like who who is going to do this and you know we we were like okay me and uh matt have tons of combat experience between us so we're the combat group okay well, remember uh, we would have the board with here's the features people go put your name on the thing you're most interested in yep and that yep. that was a good and bad thing too because like features would get completely ignored because people were like i don't really want to work on that i don't i don't want to who, who wants to work on that part <laughs> right um but, but uh, well part of that too is like it, it wasn't i don't want to work on that but i don't have any expertise in that sure nobody does yeah what what are we going to do here? i don't want to fail at that <laughs> but, yeah i don't want to look stupid um half of a designer's job is looking stupid let me tell you yeah, that is Just true up front that um, is true so if you can't get over that rethink being rethink what you think being a game designer means <laughs> um but anyway we um you know, we split that group pretty early. That happened pretty quickly um, just because we were talking about 100 agents and then 60 agents and then 50 and 40. And that number it was 30 getting, for a long time. It was 30 for a very, very long time. Um, but the there were a lot of issues like. Uh, and, and they stem from those those three things that I mentioned at the be at the beginning of this. Um, we thought we were going to be able to, uh, rapidly prototype faster than we were, Yeah. but you know, we were building a, something that Volition transitioned from when I got there, I, I had a, you know, good familiarity with, you know, text-based scripting is what I'll call it. Like working in Lua, things of that right. nature. Right. But when I got there on you know, Saints Row 4 and then, uh, well, 
Saints Row 4 and, the, and then Saints Row 4. Right. <laughs> um, all of the scripting was actually handled by gameplay engineers. Yep. Like, the designers weren't, they weren't looked down upon at getting in there, but it was like a, oh, hold up, hold up. Do, are you sure you can handle this? Are you, do you actually understand how this scripting Let, works? Let's add a little background to that too, right? Um, that Volition is a very programmer-centric studio, at least it traditionally was, right? Founded by a programmer, mm -hmm. very, very programmer-centric philosophies, right? So there's a lot of that that's kind of bled into, in, into the present, right? And when, mm -hmm. when I got there and when Rusty got there and we started like talking about tools and what designers are capable of and that kind of stuff, that's when the shift started happening a bit, which was good. And we even made mm -hmm. a, a, a state machine engine for Red, Fac or for Red Faction Armageddon so we could do stuff in there with visual scripting. So we started to see that change, but that, that underlying mentality was always there. And it was always a lot of like, are you going to be efficient enough with this? Do you really know what you're doing? You know, that kind of thing. I'm like, I can... I can read this and understand and change numbers. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I can follow how this works. It's great. But, you know, we were one of the big parts of the engine rewrite was creating this brand new uh, visual scripting system. Right. And um, the uh, just because it was brand new and understanding how pieces needed to work and what the best way to I want to say keep designers out of trouble, um, but I also don't. But but that is actually the case. Like, uh, you know, the the more powerful um, a set of scripting tools is, the more trouble you can get into. It's one thing to be able to understand how to make something, but how to make something efficiently is very different. Absolutely, problem. yeah. Um, and you know, you could. You could end up doing a lot, and they wanted to make sure that as they built these pieces, that it um, was actually uh, sustainable for designers to to work inside of here without, you know, completely crippling the uh, performance and, right. and things of that nature. Right. Um, so that that meant the the creation time on that was slow which also affected the amount of iteration we were able to do, which is why that number kept getting, you know, whittled down. Right. Um, among other things, right? Like character time, animation, what fidelity do these actually need to be at? How much do we think we can actually do in terms of outsourcing? Like there, there were tons of tons of, of, uh, of pieces around why that number kept getting lower and lower and lower. And even along the way, um, we only had Fortune like for, for a very long time. Like Fortune was like yep. our first fully done one and then nothing else kind of moved to that state for a very yep. long time yeah fortune was the first agent i prototyped and she was the uh you know she, she actually was the lo uh, the longest living agent i guess yeah um she was there from the beginning i remember doing the uh uh the scene where we're showing off the traversal um for just a it wasn't even it wasn't a vertical slice mind you this didn't show an entire mission structure but what are we thinking in terms of gameplay um so you jumped up on uh this roof like you had to like do some platforming to get up there and uh take out a few enemies up top and then you look down and you see uh some some enemies that are in this courtyard and you activate a special ability 
which you know brings in this drone that like takes everything out in these awesome explosions like that was one of the uh that was that was the first part where i'm like okay maybe we're actually on to something here right. maybe maybe there is uh there is something that we can we can work within that's going to be cool and and a lot of design is working inside the box that you have right or the box that you that you've been given biggest and, part yeah <laughs> um the one of the um things that we i don't want to say we backed ourselves into a corner with but um one second um uh one of the things that we had to figure out was we want to do magic we want to be superheroes but we are a group that is tech focused so yeah. how do we do that right like um and when i say a group that is tech focused i am talking fictionally about uh mayhem as an organization right um so you know yes volition is tech focused too they that, make video that games is true. But, yeah. <laughs> um but the that is something we kept coming up against like we want to do this cool thing. How do we make it work? And there are ways to contextualize, but you know, your, your world has to have feasible limits in order for it to be believable in any sense. It has to have internal consistency. Um, and you know, there, there were a number of times where somebody would come to me and they're like, I have this awesome idea for how this can work. Um, what if, you know, this were this person's special ability. And I'm like, I would love for that to be the case, but I how does that how does that work in terms of being a technological uh, technological gadget? Right. If we can if we can if we can get there, great. But um, you know it, it it's it's a difficult ask, and I'm going to get into a very specific like example of this. Hardtack, one of the agents. Um, He's a dude that has a harpoon that will, you know, you can throw and then teleport people back to you. You, you, you uh, shoot them with a shotgun. Um, somebody said, you know, what if, you know, he stomps on the ground and playing into his sailor aspect, there are these like bubbles that like come up from the earth and like capture the enemies that are heart attack inside of, uh, right. <laughs> uh, that are inside the, you know, uh, this cone. And uh, then, you know, you have free reign to just, like, run up and shoot them and whatnot. And I'm like, that sounds like a great ability. Uh, that sounds like a really awesome visual. I actually really love it. But how do we make it... Uh, how do we fictionalize that properly? Right. Right. And um, there, were, there were a number of times where it's just like, this is something we can't... Uh, well, I'm not going to say can't. Because there are ways to hand wave a lot of stuff. Right. But again, it comes back to that internal consistency. Um, uh, they have a level of difficulty in uh, trying to fictionalize. Um, so that, that, uh, that became a back and forth. We went back to the like, post-it to prototype stuff, though. I, I thought that that was actually very successful. It was. Um, we got a lot of things to a, like 60 70%, and it was mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, the way that that process worked too is we had that area where people could, you know, put up an idea for an agent. Like, 
it didn't have to be a uh, gameplay mechanic. It uh, didn't. Um, it could have been a name. It could have been a. Uh, you know, I I want a person that's a sky pirate. You know, that fortune. Okay, well, that's that's what fortune became. Um, I want a person that is this, or I want gameplay that is this, and. We had lots of really cool meetings, um, you know, working through these and coming up with ideas. Mm -hmm. And the uh, we, we had, you know, hour, two hour long meetings with majority of the team where we would go through PowerPoint decks full of potential agents. Right. Um, and that part was <laughs> that part was really fun. That part was great. Um, but. You know, there were other parts, too, that ended up, uh, because of the, the new engine and whatnot, um, that ended up suffering. We originally wanted the game to have, like, so so many different playable areas, not just, you know, one city. Right. It was originally going to be, was it three? Three planned, yeah. Three cities, right? Um, and, and I spent a lot of time working on the second one. <laughs> <laughs> that never oh, yeah, came to did. light. Yeah. You did. Well, because the second one was never mind. Um <laughs> uh, Hey, but, real quick, before before we move on, we still uh -huh. have three more shots to take. Three more, okay. Yeah, we Let's should do, do one. And also I wanna I wanna say, just so people that understand in the chat that are here, when we were developing this game, anytime someone said hard tech, everyone else just instinctively yelled back hard tech. Hard tech. So that was uh that's that's what that's going on in the chat there. All right, now let's do a shot. All right, cheers, buddy. Woo! All right, that's three. That went partially the wrong way. Oh, no. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> My eyes are watering. <laughs> All right, chase it. Hold on. Hydration. Chase it with another shot. Gonna make it better. <laughs> A new experience. Good. Cool. You're not supposed to snort it. You're supposed to drink it. I was trying something new, man. <laughs> okay. I'm good now. All right. Like, I'm kind of bouncing all over. I'm trying to just, like... No, you're good, man. Um, remember, like, all of these parts, because it was, it was a long time. There was time. a lot. This is one of the <laughs> longest, like, pre-production, early production cycles mm -hmm. I've ever been through. And, you know, a big part of it was because we, we would get so far on something, and then we couldn't decide, and we'd go on to something else. Yep. <laughs> the nostalgia it, as you teared like, up. Oh, this way. <laughs> What's no, up, Zach? No, no. How about this way? No. Okay. Um, how about this? Remember how long we like tried to research exploration? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, remember how long we talked about multiplayer? Uh, oh, man. So, mm. so many things. And uh, honestly, and how many times? Every, what? Every three to six months, it was, it's a Saints Row mm -hmm. game. Then it's not a Saints Row game. Yes, now it's a Saints Row game. Now it's not a Saints Row game. Miss you too, buddy. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this for a second. Yes, because um, this is one of my favorite favorite stories from from AOM. 
I have a few, but this is this is one of my favorite. We want to hear all of them tonight. So. <clears throat> um, we uh we we just had concept at this point, like concept art, um, the basic idea of the game, nothing more than that, and they wanted to do a focus test on the idea. They being Koch, right? Um, so me and um couple of other people were you did you uh did you go up to chicago for this or no yeah yeah yep i was there okay i have one um, of my getting that's one of my least favorite getting I, lost I, stories ever i remember <laughs> what yep, is upper Zoe and lower there. um jordan was there and um anoop was there anoop was there and you know they're they're running through this concept of the game and we made a boo-boo we made a boo-boo. Um, that boo-boo was that one of the pieces of concept art, it was, I, I remember this piece of concept art so clearly. It was a car that was uh, drifting around a bend, shooting rockets out at a helicopter. And it was a purple car. And that purple car had a, a floor on the back. Which, oh, man. If you don't know, the floor... <laughs> <laughs> is the Saints Row symbol. Now we weren't we hadn't we weren't telling anybody at this focus group um you know who uh who was working on this project, you know, what uh what studio, anything like that. But this one guy, this one guy picked up on it. <laughs> There's always he one goes, he's like no, I don't like this. This reminds me of Saints Row. And we're like, uh-oh. 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 What, what is going on? And this guy was a GTA, like... GTA is his favorite <laughs> thing ever. He loves GTA. And then there, there is... There's this weird animosity um, that, that exists between uh, the hardcore GTA crowd and the hardcore, there is one, uh, Saints Row crowd, right? Like. Um, but most people are just like, Hey, it's a cool game. I'm going to play it right. for both of them. And that's totally cool. And how most people should be. Well, there's um, also two saints row crowds, right? There's yeah, the two uh -huh. and one fans. And then there's the three and four fans. Right. So <laughs> his father was killed by a saint row. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Um, Wait, but, hold on. What's uh, Zelly saying? The wait, researcher didn't... didn't want to recruit women, and we had to fight for a diverse sample. Oh my gosh! Oh I did not God. know that. Um. Yeah, I actually didn't know that either. Um. Zelly, I'm gonna have to have you come on and talk too. We need to set that up. That's <laughs> wow. Um. So, oh man, that I forgot to tell one of my favorite uh, playtest stories. Anyway, um. There's still time. Zelly knows my play, uh, my favorite playtest story. Uh, I um only twenty percent. That's huh. what? I mean that Ugh. that's not a significant percentage. Like right. <laughs> like even if I ah oh, come on, come on. Um. So that 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 image ended up uh, being shown probably about halfway through the thing, but it. It, it completely tainted the rest of the of the uh, session. And um, 
because it just dominated. Like he 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 started dominating the conversation. Everything ended up being about GTA versus Saints Row. Mm-hmm. Um. So the moderator comes back at one point uh, to where we're all sitting. We're sitting behind a one-way mirror. Right. Like we can see them. They can't see us. And the, uh, she's like, are there any additional questions you want me to ask or, or whatnot? And we came up with this, this whole thing that was, uh, you know, Microsoft is actually back there and they want to, uh, they're, they are thinking about signing this new project from Volition, the creators of Saints Row. And they are interested in knowing, you know, what you think of this. And they're going around the table. And uh, <laughs> guys like, or, you know, some of the people are like, you know, oh, cool. You know, I could, I could see this totally fitting on Xbox, blah, blah, blah. And going around the table. It gets to the, the GTA guy. The GTA guy doesn't address the moderate. The GTA guy gets out of his seat. I remember this. And comes <laughs> up to the glass. And he goes, Microsoft, you do not get in bed with these people. It would be a mistake of Windows Millennium level proportions. Jesus. Yes. I didn't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is ingrained in my head. Um, I do remember uh, it being a terrible moderator. That is true. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Wasn't there two of them? Wasn't there two moderators in there? Or am I remembering I that wrong? The first one. I think there was only one. Maybe there was just one. one. Yeah. But it took everything not to just laugh at, at what was happening <laughs> because it was so over the top. Um, anyway, uh, you know, but, but coming out of that, it was like, oh, you know, people reacted pretty positively to this. They didn't have tons of information because admittedly at that point we were still kind of like, this is what we think the game is going to be. Yeah, maybe. we were still very um, much the, the vibey part of it, right? Like, right. Just, like, like does the to, concept to, sound cool, you know? Right. Uh, trying to figure it out. And, you know, there, uh, there were lots of ups and downs. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, for every step forward uh, that we had on that project, there were, uh, I'm not even going to say two steps back, but like multiple steps back in a lot of ways. Like everything kept getting trimmed down over time. Yeah. And which um, isn't uncommon, but it, it, but it was uh, it was at a it was at a rapid pace, right? Like it was it, it, shrinking quickly. It was shrinking quickly and it became there were issues that started happening um between the studio and um the our owner right like um just trying to figure out what was going on there and man there are so many things you have not even touched on yet oh i know (laughs) they're part of this problem and it's like how how deep do we go you know like yeah 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 um how deep do you want to go you know what Um, i'm down for as deep as we want to go honestly because okay at, at this point we, like this was this was a very impactful like project for me right in that i had never experienced this level of internal 
like chaos as far as what leadership was like. And then, and then also, okay, let, let, let me just, let me just quickly kind of give an overview of what, what I felt a big problem was. We were, like you mentioned earlier, we were, we were bought and we were trusted and we were said, yep. go do the thing you know how to do because Koch had never owned a developer. Koch had only ever done publishing and distribution. Yep. yep. And they are like, Hey, we want this, uh, this team to make something awesome for us. Keep doing what you know how to do and let's go. Right. Which meant yep. to us, there, there's a new level of freedom here, right? Which we've never experienced as, as a studio or most of us as developers anywhere. And the crucial mistake that you mentioned, you know, trying to do three major things was a big part of, of the overall issue that we had, trying to do too much in that time because we had the freedom to do it. But then the other major problem we had, and I'm just going to say it, was we had to also deal with our general manager who wanted his hand in everything. And so, and it was a weird di dichotomy of leave it to the team, but also make sure I'm involved in every decision. And that dude had some wild ideas. Um, it was a bit more than that too, right? Oh yeah, it like, wasn't all of it. If, but we're, <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest, like the, one of the big issues there that caused that rift of mistrust and it, what was actually interesting to me was that uh, 300 hours in Skyrim. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Skyrim, Skyrim, Skyrim. We heard that a lot. Oh, boy. What we later found out, right, and one of the reasons it took a while for trust to even start to get rebuilt was because what we were being told as a team that we were doing well was uh, contradicted to our owners Yeah. Um, as, oh, these are definitely things that we are going to fix. Right. right. We were being told it was okay and then being thrown under the bus, right? Like, like At the same time, which is a wild, like it's wild to me. And it... It took, like, I don't think we realized this until way too late. Well, we didn't realize this until way too late. Um, until after the project had shipped. Um, until after a round of layoffs occurred. Um, that this is actually what had happened. Um, but the, the reality is that we were we were limited in our ability to move forward because um, we didn't have the backing to do so properly, which is why there was so much, well, no, we need to change it this way that came down from above, right? right. Um, no, no, it needs to be this. No, we have to cut this. No, we have to go this way. Um, and a lot of these were just, and, and the, on Volition's part, right? I'm going to take was, my fourth shot while you're talking. I I'm need, I need more to drink. Too. Um, <laughs> on, on Volition's side, it was, well, why, why don't they trust us? Why are these things suddenly changing? And we didn't have an answer to that other than, oh, they're introducing this um, 
this new editorial group know um you know they're going to be the ones that are going to make decisions they're going to have to be who you interface with why why is all this occurring and we we did not know why all this was happening and what this ended up doing was team morale got to a, actually it actually got to a decent point we were actually starting to make content we were actually starting to make something but all these other things happened pretty rapidly and it quickly became the well i guess we just need to make a game and i don't understand how i'm supposed to do it under the circumstances i'm in with us trying to build this new engine we were still making brand new nodes for our visual scripting editor months before the game shipped like there were core pieces of technology um that you know came online like pretty soon or like you know in close proximity to when we had to like lock um and so that at you could tell that people were down yeah and um people wanted to be positive and you know as a lead right as a lead uh you know this i know this you you have to paint a picture of both truth but you have to make sure that people are happy with what they what they're doing yeah um be truthful but also make sure people understand the positives right right like you know yes we have to change the way this works um because it didn't uh it didn't test well or or whatever you you have to be a shield from all the stuff so i think that on that project in particular the leads uh i know i felt worn down and and, yeah. and one of the things that i talk about and one of the reasons why whenever i have interviewed at any new studio um i always ask what's your what's your policy on crunch what what do you do because i um i've been around long enough to know that we are never going to i'm not going to say never it is difficult to get away from the specter of crunch existing. Um, and my, my toddler agrees, um, <laughs> obviously, as he is Tarzan in the background. Um, but I always ask, I'm like, what is your policy? How do you take care of people? How do you ensure that this doesn't happen? I, I went back and tallied the amount of work that I did. Um, over a two-year period, and how much that I that I had to to be there. Excuse me. Um, and it was over a two-year period. I averaged sixty-hour work weeks for two years. And, you know, in game development, you're you're probably going to do forty to forty-eight hours. Like that's not not uncommon. You might go up to fifty. So sixty doesn't seem like um, the uh, doesn't seem like a too high number, but I need to like have have some clarity there. I am somebody that very early on realized um, use your vacation. Yep, you're not that is that is time that you are uh, 
that you are deserved. You are deserved to take your vacation. Do it. Um, I also, so I used all my vacation. That's four weeks of vacation. I took a six-week break because my four-year-old was born during that period. Um, so when you look at that, that two years, there are two months, right, that, or two and a half months that I wasn't working and I still averaged 60 hours a week <laughs> over the course of two years. Man. Um, so, and, and this, this, is, this all happened after all this stuff started going down. Um, after, you know, the, the, the owner side started, you know, getting involved more. And I, what's weird is, while I will say that I, I absolutely positively do not agree with the way that they got involved, I completely understand them having gotten involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, especially from their perspective and what they were hearing, right? Which was like, there was a major, uh, there was a, I'm doing my, my other shot, by the way, while you talk, is that your fourth one or your fifth? It's your fourth, right? Okay, good. <laughs> Don't get ahead of me. No, <laughs> but no, like the, you know, what, what we, let's not discount at all. The fact that, there was one filter of information between our entire studio and team and our publisher, right? And yep. that, that information being different, told to us differently than it was told to them, is a, is a major problem, right? Like that, like you, it's hard to express how big of a deal that is, especially not knowing it, right? Like uh -huh. we had no idea. And so that's, we, we were not making the game that they were being told we were making. And that's, that is, that is a colossal problem. Yep. And, and, and so then uh, at one point they get to it and they're like, wait, that's not the game. We've got to come make sure you're making the game that, that we've been telling you to make or expecting you're going to make. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, there were, there were other weird things with the, the owner. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like, uh, we, for whatever reason, decided, well, we can't uh, take on doing doing the multiplayer aspects of this, even though, uh, you know, peacocking and showing off your agents and their different customization and, you know, collaborating with friends and doing all this was talked about as a very important pillar of the game very right. early on. Um, oh, no, we can't do that. And that, that was actually an internal push uh, for reasons. Uh, but we had a, a company that I later went to work for that, you know, could have, you know, assisted uh, with that. And their their asking price was completely reasonable. Um, but the the owner was unwilling to pay it. And, and what I've what I've since like kind of, you know, backwards engineered and figured out is that they weren't willing to pay it because that was around the same time they figured out something was very wrong. Um, and, uh, I, and this is part of the, I, I don't necessarily agree that it was the right call to, to do it that way, but, um, but again, I can, I can look at it and go, okay, this is why I understand the why, even if I don't agree with the how, um, aspect of it um so yeah the the project we 
we were going to go, we went to E3 in 2016 for the first year um, with, with Agents of Mayhem. We were, we were already at that point, we were down to, we knew we were only going to have one city. Um, I think our agent count was still maybe a bit higher um, at that point. Um, I don't remember. I remember I, going from like 30 to 15 at one point and then being yep. super upset about it. Yep. I, I remember that too. Um, but the, uh, we, we actually had something that was, you know, decently fun, kind of playable play from any entry point. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> water to the rescue. Um, <laughs> Yep, hydrate time. No need to have box one. What if we give away one of the cities for free and then? You oh know, my you god! I completely forgot want. about this. Yeah, man. I completely <laughs> forgot about this. What if there is no box? There's just you know you buy a code. That's uh, that's all there is. Um, yo, that E three two thousand sixteen crew. <laughs> I think about that. I still have my purple jacket, my my disco jacket, uh, and. You know what? I, we should have worn those tonight. <laughs> we really should have. We're going to wear them when we um, get together and do this chat. We should. We should, we should really do that. Because um, those things are fire. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, you know, at, at that point, we were like, okay, we, we know that we're one city. Um, but even, even then, it's... Uh, it it was a question of well what can we even do in a single city like it it, it had gotten whittled down so so much um, but we knew we had to be playable we knew we had to have something where we were showing off the core mechanics and I I, I will will say that in that booth um, that we were in off of the main hall where we heard purple rain over and over and over again. Um, we we actually showed something that was pretty fun and decent. Um, I need to detour real quick because yeah. that um, there are a lot of stories from that that E three trip. Just you oh know, man, how that you was know, a it, very enlightening trip for me. <laughs> uh, one of the uh, one of the most memorable moments of that E three trip, uh, and I brought this up on my stream last night when I was finishing Curse of Monkey Island, was. Um, I go to the bathroom. Like I mentioned, we're, and, and this is not going to be TMI ter uh, territory. I swear. I swear. <laughs> um, I go to the bathroom. We're off of the main hall. So this is a bathroom that nobody's using. It's completely empty. Um, and I pick a urinal because that's what you do. You go to the bathroom. You use a urinal. There's nobody else in here. There's like 12 urinals in this thing. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> anyway, I was cranking it in the bathroom <laughs> at the um, urinal. <laughs> at the urinal. No, I'm. Uh, so I'm. You know, I'm. I'm in the bathroom. I'm at a urinal, and these two dudes walk in, and they're like in like swank like suits and and whatnot. They have sunglasses, and for people that don't understand if there are any any uh any women in the chat that you know like from a a urinal standpoint there is urinal etiquette about 
you know, you always go one over from people. You don't stand right next to it if you can, right. like so forth, so on. You need some space. Um, you need buffer. Right. You need space. Shigeru Miyamoto walks into the fucking bathroom. What? How have I yes. never heard this? I don't know how you didn't hear this. Shigeru Miyamoto walks into the fucking bathroom and goes to the urinal right next to me. Power move. You are not being serious. I am dead serious right now. Dead serious. What? <laughs> All right. All right. So, but to be clear, you're saying multiple urinals and he stands right next to you, right? This is what, this is what we're saying? Right next to me. There are, <laughs> I am the only one in this bathroom. There are 12 urinals on the wall. He goes to the one right next to me. All right. Our picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of picks are we talking about? <laughs> anyway. Zelly says she can confirm. That's, that's crazy. And I can't yeah, believe it, I didn't know this. But I was also totally drunk happened. half of that trip. So This is true. Yeah. And then we probably went and got drunk afterwards, too. Because yeah. um, we, we walked all around L.A. and, and went to many bars. And uh, that's where I was introduced to Kraken. Um, <laughs> I never had Kraken before that trip. I guess it's something that I never really drank until I got to, uh, to Volition. Um, um, but yeah, like we... I was constantly looking on social media, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. It's me, Shigeru Miyamoto. Oh, um, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, like, I'm looking on social media. I'm trying to find, um, you know, what people are saying about, you know, having played the game and whatnot. And, you know, there, there's nothing that I would consider, like, absolutely glowing game of show off the show floor ages of mayhem but everything was actually you know uh pretty positive like there was nothing like that was undercurrent like super negative about about anything um and and you know despite everything that was going on despite all the you know cuts that we had to have i think that we got back from that trip and when we talked to the team about how well it went we actually had a pretty good boost um but pretty soon after that, we realized there is no way we are going to be able to ship this in time. Right. Um, so the date got pushed. Um, the date was still supposed to be before the next E3. <laughs> the date got pushed again. Um, and that, that continued to wear on the team. The interactions that we ended up uh, having to have with the uh, editorial group, um, you know, I, they didn't help like there's no there's no other way for me to put it like it, for <laughs> in terms of team morale like that that high of you know hey this game is actually kind of cool um got whittled away very very quickly um and uh it, it became you know get it done right uh as most games do at some point right as, as most games do they, they didn't, they didn't help, help is a major as understatement. <laughs> I, uh, like there are there are so many specifics that I could get into um, that I, there are other people that have stories to tell. 
There are lots and of stories. Lots I, of stories. I think that they deserve to be able to tell those stories. And and the stories that I, I like to remember are the the positive ones. Um like how uh, well, there was fewer of them, so there's easier to remember, right? Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Come on. <laughs> but like you know, um, and, and this was uh, to to be frank, right? Part of my part of the overtime I had to put in was because uh, we ended up picking up a a lot of missions that uh, were going to get cut. Um, like if anybody's played Agents of Mayhem, the agent missions. Uh, were actually on the table to get cut at one point and you know uh me and writing at that point uh, me and jason blair were like these are too important you're trying to you're trying to sell a game where the characters matter where they are one of the most important aspects of what you have you need to let them tell their stories they need to be able to be individuals they need to be able to work within this uh, group or have, you know, individual personalities and how they work together. Those stories are important and need to be told. Um, so, uh, you know, our group ended up taking on uh, the agent group ended up taking a lot of uh, a lot of that work. Um, and like those are actually called out, you know, very positively, which I, you know, I, but the the mission team, you know, we were able to get a lot of the groundwork in, and the mission team was able to to do a lot of massaging and making them, you know, function a lot better. Um, but I, I was glad to see that they were well received, and our yeah. our call to to rescue those was actually the right one. Um, well, that's the best, right? You know, when you're passionate about something and you understand what's going into yes. it, and you know how important it is, then to see um, that 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 decision was correct is is super helpful. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, the the interactions that we ended up having coming up with those agent missions, working with uh, the writing team and uh, just on the agents themselves with animations like our, t our team was inside or in the same room as animation. Um, and we were constantly back and forth in a good way about how these agents needed to um, act and sell themselves as characters. Uh, so like, yes, there were a lot of problems. Yes, the game did not come out the way we wanted. Um, in the end, like we 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 had really high ambitions, and those got uh, our legs got taken out from under us in a lot of ways. But uh, you know, I still look at the game, and I'm actually very proud of the work that everybody did. Um, I still say that patched that game, uh, Agents of Mayhem deserves a much better Metacritic than it currently has. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. I actually talked to, uh, one of the guys that named it his game of the year. Um, and he was thrilled. Like he was like, this game came at a perfect time. I, uh, I adore these characters. Uh, this was, uh, he was actually going through, uh, <laughs> cancer treatment at the time. Mr. McCabe, senior decision maker. Yes. I made every single decision <laughs> on the game. Well, you made decisions <laughs> along with everybody else, right? Uh-oh. 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 You were cutting out there oh, for a second. You're fine now. I think you're good. All right, cool. Yep. Um, so, uh, but you know, 
all taken into account, um, you know, team morale being what it was, we were able to actually release something um, that some people, you know, really, really like. Um, and there were a lot of problems around the release of the game, too. Like, there were still people that were asking, like, oh, this game came out. They didn't know. Um, they were still confused as to what the game was. And this is where I, you know, hinted at the marketing stuff earlier. It's like, you need to be able to talk about a game for what it is. You don't need to, you know, hedge. You need to be honest with people. And this is where I think that a lot of studios have realized doing a very long form, this is uh a, a official release like we played the game on stream over and over and over again yes i thought it was a moba um <laughs> so many times but what you what you have to realize is that when we were making this game twitch was still um you know up and coming um it wasn't the platform that it currently is um and Making a cut of a video that, yes, let's use a DLC character as front-facing marketing effort. Oh, God. Um, oh, do I want to talk about that, Jameson? Yep. Do I? Yeah. Before, Hold on. <sighs> Before you do, let's take a fifth shot, because then you'll really want to talk about it. Okay. Let's do it. You ready? Fifth All shot right. time. Here we go. Okay. Hey, mama, need a second. Woo. All this liquor got me second guessing. Yeah. Now he five shots deep. Now he one, two, three, four, five shots deep. I'm a need a second. All this liquor got me second guessing. Yeah. Now he five shots deep. Now he one, two, three, four, five shots deep. Now you definitely want to talk about it, right? Hold on. Let me let me drink some butter first. <laughs> If any part of this gets me in trouble, it's this part. <laughs> the U.S. distributor of Agents of Mayhem was Square Enix, which means, you know, they are uh, responsible for making sure that the game is in stores and on shelves and whatnot. Uh, we, we didn't live in the reality that we are now where you have a, you know, greater than 50-50 split of digital over, over physical. And we had to go show the game to them. And by we, I, meant, I mean I. I was, I was chosen to go show the game uh, to Square Enix. And we show the game, and they're actually really impressed with it. They, 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 really, they really liked everything. And keep in mind, we are, at this point, this would have been in March or April of uh, 2017, because the game came out in 2017. Um, yeah, I left December of 16. Yep. And I'm in this meeting, and I show the game and, and talk about, you know, our focus and through the agents and, and so forth and so on. And one of the people in the room goes, where's Johnny Gap? <laughs> I'm like, 
well, you know, we're not necessarily a Saints Row game. You know, we're we're tied to the universe because at that point we were we were you know playing off of one of the endings of uh, of uh, Saints Row: Get Out of Hell. Uh, where's Johnny Gat? Like, um, you know, an agent costs about this much to make. I I'd, I'd worked on enough agents, have been in enough meetings to understand completely how much of an ask adding an agent was. And I'm, I'm like, well, uh, we haven't planned to have him at all, to be completely honest. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I want Johnny Gat. <laughs> of course and you like, do. Internally, I'm thinking, well, who are you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and... He's like, well, I think that people would pre-order if you had Johnny Gat as like a pre-order bonus, and he like goes into all this stuff. And I, I, I clearly remember getting back to the the hotel room and sending an email, uh, like, hey, just want to let you know how it went showing the game. Um, these were the points of critique. Uh, these were the positives. And haha, they asked us to add Johnny Gat as an agent. That's so funny. Ha ha ha. I told them the reality of adding an agent. Lol. See you later. Bye. Um, was the gist of my email. <laughs> and I, I kid you not, within two weeks, the conversation shifted to how do we add this oh. character to the game? Womp womp. Right. We are um three months out from me three we are five months out from ship and we're being asked to add a new character that is going to be a pre-order bonus right like so it's got to be ready right away like right this is (laughs) this is a day one ask um and you know as I mentioned, we had taken on doing these agent missions. We had taken on all these other pieces, and now we're being asked to create, you know, a brand new agent. Well, okay. Johnny Gat is an established character. What does he mean in the Agents of Mayhem universe? We had to answer that. Yeah. Very, we were, we were quickly able to kind of, you know, figure that out. Oh, it had to be on disc. That's, that's a... Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's big. Um so like we 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 already we've already cut so much. We already have all these uh pieces that we have to like complete and get done and then this other thing is is now coming in. And there was what got me the most on this was that there was no discussion about how do we actually like is this feasible it was all we have to make this happen mm. um mm. and how it, far out from ship were you at this point like this is five months like okay. i said this is five or six months five, okay. out from ship and um Again, this was stuff coming from Make It Happen outside of uh, our group. And uh, I have to credit completely Jordan Agiloni. I I was like, if you can figure out how to make Johnny Gat work, you know, do it. 
and the the way that we ended up coming up with agents and and, and eventually working on agents was um we would create a menu of uh these are the potential ways that we could go these are the potential uh builds that he have the that could um or they could do uh because our agents were were everything um and we would have a group conversation with the with animation with audio uh with engineering we wanted everybody to be involved in the process what was very important for me on the agent team was making sure everybody had they all knew that wanted to be excited about what they were working on because it's the most important the game that needs to reflect Okay, wait, um, hold, so hold on have, one second. One second. We were doing some, uh -huh. there's some, you got robot uh -huh. for a moment. Oh, did I? I got robot You got robot You're a little okay. robot I don't want people to um, miss this. <laughs> They're trying to censor Ryan. Okay. <laughs> trying to censor me. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> hold on. Let me make sure I'm not like, are we okay now? Are we good? You sound okay now. Are I mean, it right? could be on my end too, but all right, let's do it. Okay. Well, somebody else said Robot McCabe, so you know, Zelly said Robot McCabe, so That's I want to make sure that that we're that we're okay. Um, yeah, you sound fine now. Um, Agents important. Yeah, we, we wanted we wanted everyone to have buy-in because uh, I. I wanted that to come across um, in the work that they did. If, if if people are more excited about the work they're doing, they're going to put more of themselves into it. That yeah, that's always been one of my leadership philosophies: is that um, if you're not excited about the work you're you're doing, and how can we get you excited about it? Um, maybe maybe the work you're doing isn't the right work for you, and that's fine. Um, but how do we get you to doing something that you actually want to do? Right. Um, yeah, I need to stop downloading stuff on Napster. Hold on. Um, <laughs> Napster. <laughs> Napster bad. Um, oh, man. But, uh, you know, Jordan was able to, uh, kick something out, uh, very quickly. <laughs> Um, that was of a very high quality in terms of, uh, of GAT. Yeah. And the team like, uh, was able to come together and do it, but that doesn't necessarily make it the right thing to have done. Right. Just because something gets done and gets done well, doesn't make it the right call. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. There are other ways you other ways you could have done this, right? Like even if they wanted it, you could have made him, you know, a DLC character later on. You could have worked on right. him and it made more sense. You know, like yeah. but the truth and is then, every every studio, and we know this, there there's that 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 time at the end where it's like we gotta make something happen. And usually it's the plan we have is falling apart. Let's do what we have to do to get the thing done, right? It's usually yep. not, hey. On top of all that shit that's not going well right now, let's do something entirely new and do that well on top of it. Yep. Um, yeah, do all the things. Fix everything that you need to fix and do this extra thing too. Thank you. Um, but 
I, uh, the fact that that happened, that, that caused some level of disillusion for me. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wanted, I, everybody wants their games to do well. Right. And coming out of E3 2017, right, we were actually on the show floor. We were right next to, we were in the Square Enix booth. Uh, we were right next to Final Fantasy 14. We had uh, the first, like, the three days of E3. We were full all the time. We had a, uh, um, you know, a line to get into play. And that felt good. That felt great. Um, you know, people people that were playing and then talking to them afterwards about the game and um, what, uh, you know, what we wanted to do with it and how that was the, you know, the beginning of a new IP for Saints Row, like all these pieces. And uh, there was actual, there were actually people that were really excited. Um, but when it came time for the game to launch, we had like, uh, what it boils down to is there was a singular uh, mock review that, not mock review, this is actually a, hey, this is what I'm going to give the game that ended up giving the, the team, not our team, the, the team in charge of, you know, how much do we push this? How much money are we putting behind it? It gave them cold feet. Oh. Um, and... Uh, the, the weird thing was, this is an outlet that notoriously rates things pretty low. Um, and everything kind of fell down from there. I, I've played enough games. I, I play games all the time. And I've been in the industry long enough to know that, you know, marketing can make up 15 to 20 Metacritic points. You know, oh, if marketing yeah. is good enough. Yeah, right? easy. easy. Um, in terms of sales. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, well, marketing is where most of your sales actually come from. Exactly. Like, Metacritic uh, is not, not not as indicative of sales. It is amongst us and of the people that right. that talk about games, right? But when people are going to buy a game for their their kid or their cousin for Christmas, they're they're buying the game they heard about, right? And they're not going to buy the I thought it was a MOBA, right? Or <laughs> is that game even out? Oh, I didn't know it re it released, right? Like, they don't know. They don't know. Um, so yeah, it, it was a house of cards that kept crumbling um, that completely fell down at the end, I guess is the, the best way to describe the, the development of that project. Well, it was built on a, on a, um, on a non-solid solid foundation from the beginning, right? right? Like, that's, it's hard and... to build a house on that. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm very proud of the team and the way that they were able to come together and, um, to make something despite all of the issues we were going through and things that they didn't even understand that were happening, like well above them. Um, so I, I actually have played the game in its entirety since it launched, and 
as a game dev, uh, something that I will say is that playing a game you've worked on is actually pretty difficult at times. It sure is. Um, <laughs> Try doing it on stream while talking about it. That's right. A- <laughs> um, but there is uh, a whole lot of fun to be had in Agents of Mayhem. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a commercial for the game, um, but I am trying to be an advocate for the team and the position they were put in and what they were able to come together and do. Um, unfortunately, right, uh, because of the, the circumstances and, and all of that, uh, pretty quickly afterwards, um, there was a round of, a round of layoffs that, uh, that occurred. Um, you were already gone, right? Like you left, you said you left in December. I did. And, and actually I left because um, the, or a big part of why I decided to leave when I did was the, the rumor of the coming layoffs. And I was like, yep. it's a good time to go. Like I'll, I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll remove a position that doesn't need to get, you know, unfilled if, if that was the plan. <laughs> and, um, again, from the, uh, from the owner's standpoint, uh, something underperforms majorly. Like it underperformed majorly. And I, 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 if I'm being honest, there is still a little bit of uh, of a grudge that I have in the way that the marketing department kind of pulled out of everything. Right? They were just like, "We're not going to push this at all. We just think that it's not going to do well. We don't think it's going to review well, so we're not going to to do anything with it." Um, but, uh, I remember, uh, the, the day we found out that stuff was going to happen, um, like we knew, we knew stuff was going to happen. And I got into work the next day, knowing that this was the day that things were going to occur. Um, and I sat in my car for 20 minutes and cried. I could not go into the office. Yeah, I get that. Um, it's hard, right? Because you have, uh, you have gone to, and you know, it's a, uh, it's a saying, right? But you've gone to war with these people. You have uh, you have gotten into the shit, and you've come out and you've released something. And every single game that gets released is a minor miracle that it occurs. Like, when yeah, you it take really into is. Account, <laughs> when you yeah, when you take into account everything that has to happen for a game to even be functional, it is insane, absolutely insane. Um, but these people were my family, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I, I actually, um, sent Jason a message. I remember sending Blair a message. I'm like, I can't go in. I cannot go in today. I'm in the, I'm in the parking <laughs> lot. I cannot go in. Um, and I think it's important to talk about this because anyone that is interested in getting into the game industry needs to understand the reality that these kinds of things happen, right? Oh yeah. These are emotions you are going to feel. These are things that you can potentially go through at any point in time. Um, and I, you know, 
Blair actually, you know, was like, do you need me to come, you know, walk you in? Do you need me to come help you? Uh, and I'm getting emotional thinking about this. Sorry. Um, There's no need to be sorry, bro. But, you know, I walked in that day knowing that my friends, my family, that members of them wouldn't exist as part of the studio anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's tough, right? You know, it, that's it's really tough. It's, you got to think about, um, you're going to war with these people essentially, right? right? Like you're, you're in a creative endeavor um, where you're doing something, you're putting a lot of heart into together and you're creating something like that. You get really close. That. Like when, when you know how this is going down, when you know that they're coming to take people uh, like, hey, I need you to come with me, right? Right. And somebody comes into your room and grabs somebody, and you know, you know yeah. what is going to happen. Um, I don't want to say it's the hardest thing I've ever been through, but it's one of the hardest things I've ever been through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the worst part about it for me, anytime you go through that, is you don't know who's going to get pulled. You don't know right. if it's you. You don't know if it's going to be your friend. And it usually yep. takes all day. And you're just waiting uh -huh. to see, did, did, did this person make it? You know, are they going to make it? You know, like, like it's, yep. it's, it's excruciating. And, and, and not even, like, not even that. It's the... Um, I, I'm an empath, so everything hits really hard for me. Uh, the, there's the, um, struggle internally of, I really hope that I'm not one of them because I need to take care of my family and the, well, why wasn't it me instead of this person? Because yeah. I know all the work that they did. I know how much of themselves they put into this project. I know how hard they worked. I know how much time they dedicated to making something good that just didn't happen to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, and as Blair just said, um, humans make games. We're not a machine. Yeah. Like the industry as a whole, yes, it exists to make money, but um, on the back end of that are people that are passionate, mm -hmm. that want to uh, inspire people, that want to create and make something so that people can forget and fall into uh, the worlds that, you know, we are capable of making. Um, and I think that gets lost sometimes uh, in, in everything. Are there some people that are doing this for themselves? Yes. But for me, and for most people that I know, um, we do this because we want to create fun for other people. We want people to, to have experiences that they can't have in the real world. 
Um, and that that's that that's why I started my journey. I want to, I, I, I wanted, I, I've always wanted to be able to uh, create something that people would be able to lose themselves in. Yeah. Like from a, from a young age, when I talked, when we talked about this back in the, the first interview, I knew from five that I wanted to make games. Um, and back then it was like, oh, games are fun, but getting into my teen years and still wanting to do that it was very quickly, uh, it, it became a realization for me that I want to do this because I want other people to be able to, you know, have these experiences. Yeah. Um, so that day, and, and, and any day like that, I, like the, I, unfortunately, I can say that this day is not unique. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, this was the second time I had gone through something like this. I went through this at Red Storm. There, there was the, the email that we had of, uh, you know, hey, if you get this email, don't tell anybody. We need you to come to this room at this time. Um, and all the people that went to that room were the people that were safe. And we were told in that room that everybody else that's not in here, they're being told something else. Yeah. Um, Uh, but the day of volition for me, like that was, that was harder. That was, that was much more difficult just you know, because of everything we had gone through, everything we'd had to overcome to even get a game that released. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, from there, like, um, I know the game has been technically announced. Like, yes, Volition is working on SR5. Uh, everybody knows that. They have actually talked about that publicly. I'm not going to say anything about what it is. I actually worked on that for a, a bit. Oh, I didn't um, know they had said anything about that yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've announced that, that that game is in development. Um, it's pretty exciting. The stuff I've heard about it is good. It is. Um, but for me, I was just like, I... I can't exist in this relationship anymore. Right. Like, um, I, I had started, you know, I had actually started looking, um, towards the, towards the release of Saints Row, right. Or, or, or Agents of Mayhem, right before <clears throat> all the, uh, all the layoffs had happened. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay. I actually want to stay. I love these people so much that are here, that are actually doing the work. Uh, but then the layoffs happened, and it became, became pretty difficult. What are we doing? Another shot because people are gifting subs. Is yeah, I said, right I now? said if they gave five um, subs, I'd take, <laughs> oh my take <God>. another shot. <laughs> you don't have to do this one. I know you didn't sign up for I, this. so I'm here with you. I'm here with you, man. <laughs> Fine. It's a good problem. <laughs> um, so I'm... Cheers, buddy. You know, I'm already looking. Um, I have a couple of interviews at different places. Some of them fall through. Some of them just aren't right for me. Oh, man. Oh, boy. I can still feel my fingers. Just so you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> they have they are a bit tingly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, um yeah, some of them miscalculate the cost of living. I won't get into exacts. Uh some of them didn't understand that champagne was not Chicago. Right. Um <laughs> those are very those are very, very different places. Um, um but you know, I I needed to move on. There was there was there was too much for me. Yeah. Um and so I, you know, I left. And uh it, there wasn't, you know, fanfare. There shouldn't be. You know, you're leaving a company. It's it happens. There's turnover. Um I was one of three people that left on the same day though. Um that did happen. Who else left that day? Um Let's see, it was myself, uh, Jason Blair, and Erica Hack. All three of us left on the exact same day. Nice. Um, um, so I moved on to Certain Affinity in Texas, which is where I was working. Um, the funny thing is, like, things wrap up pretty quick because I can't really talk about projects. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, at, at, uh, that that have happened um since then i worked uh at certain affinity for um almost two full years um and now or i i was given uh blessed with the opportunity to be the lead gameplay designer at archetype entertainment um working with some incredible talents on uh you know story-driven rpgs which the one of the reasons that I was so willing to to jump and the the jump was actually really weird because I had to give my two weeks notice after uh, two weeks after we had gone work from home because of COVID. And then I started um, in the middle of, uh, you know, work from home from COVID. I've been working from home ever since. Yeah, um, <laughs> same. Uh, the. Uh, the thing was for me, like my my favorite genre of games has always been RPGs. Yeah. Um me too. They they are hands down favorite games. And the opportunity presented was just, hey, do you want to work on like your favorite kind of game ever? It's like, uh, mm -hmm. uh hmm. <laughs> Well, yes, actually, I do. Right. <laughs> um. So there, there. I mean, there was there was some decision to make, but um. That's where I am now, and I've been there since uh, since April. Fallout Austin confirmed. No, that would be Bethesda. Like Bethesda has two studios here, so it could be either one of them working on Fallout Austin, man. Um, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, certain affinity was actually, was very interesting because I, 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 I will talk in like vague sense a little bit, um, just about how I got to work with a, <clears throat> um, another partner that was, you know, not in the United States. Uh, this is a, a partner in China and like, yeah, I, I'd worked with, uh, France. Uh, when I was working on Ghost Recon, um, and also Canada, like um, 
and the cultural differences and learning um, how they operate differently, like all of that information was was incredibly useful. I I got to actually be a uh, a narrative designer for a little bit, and that was actually really cool. <laughs> um, because there was a need for it, and I'm like, uh, you could either hire for this, or I need to be the person, or I can be the person in this position. Um, so I've I've gotten to you know expand my uh, my knowledge and uh, what I what I've worked on. I owe a lot of that to having worked on those agent missions that I mentioned uh, mentioned earlier. Um. So. So yeah, it's been a you know it's been a very interesting journey, um, getting getting to where I am, fifteen years in. But uh, it's all been, I don't want to say it's all been incredibly exciting, um, because there's ups and downs. Uh, we just talked about some major downs, right? Right. <laughs> and, but was it all worth it? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The I I I want to say a few things. <laughs> um, Preach, brother. <laughs> experiences matter. Mm. Um. They, what you learn everywhere you go from everyone you work with, is incredibly important whether it's positive or negative. Um, because you you learn to work with the negative people and understand how, uh, I don't want to say placate, but you develop skills that um, are going to be important moving forward in your career as to how to handle those situations with grace. Um, the, the other thing too, is that in the game industry, um, you're going to run into people that, you know, this was a weird one, a weird one for me from the outset. Um, you're going to run into people that don't actually play games and especially if you're a designer, um, don't don't get into your own head about what you like. You owe it to yourself and your teams that you work with to look at everything that exists. There's a reason why every year I play Madden. Um, I want to know what they're doing with monetization. I want to know... Uh, what ultimate team looks like, what changes have they made, how are yeah. they uh, evaluating the market. Um, stepping outside your comfort zone in terms of being a gamer is important. Yeah. Um, well, and you might find something you didn't know you would love, right? Like, exactly. There's all kinds uh, of that. Yes. Um, but when you run into those people that are like, no, I'm not a gamer. I just, I'm here for my, this is my day job. Um, and you're going to, you're going to run into these people, uh, all these lessons that you've learned, like being able to talk to them about, uh, why things need to be done a certain way, why systems need to exist a certain way. Uh, those are very important. 
and you don't get that experience without actually interacting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, working with all these people, like I said, every, almost every single person that I worked with at Volition is somebody that I treasure as a person. Almost. <laughs> um, no, I, there, there's the, a lot of great relationships there for yes. sure. For sure. The handful that are outside of that, I still learned from. Yeah. In terms of how I can be a better lead and how I can be a better designer moving forward. Um, so, yeah. I mean, part of that That's, is uh, also the challenges that we have to kind of step up to, right? And mm -hmm. it's there, uh, some of those relationships for me were instances where that person had an expectation that I didn't fulfill in some way. And I learned from it because I'm like, oh, I'm not, I need to do something different to interact with this person in a better way. And, yep. and, and you try, and sometimes you get there, sometimes you don't, right? Like I said, but, but I learned either way and, and I respect them regardless of whether or not would they became someone that I was close to, you know? And, and you'll learn stuff about yourself too. Yeah. Like, um, one funny story is that uh, during AOM, I got into, I don't want to say an argument, but I got heated with uh, uh, an engineer on the project <laughs> in, a, in a meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, maybe I, 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 maybe I got a bit too, too hot in that meeting. And I was talking to people after and they were like, what? That was you being heated? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, but, 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 you know, it, it's, it's funny to think about in terms of, oh, uh, was that actually a heated situation? But, oh no, that was actually the appropriate amount of pushback that needed to occur in order to, um, uh, let somebody understand how important something was. Yeah. Right. Um, Apparently my toddler disagrees. He just said no. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, there's a lot more that we could talk about with AOM. And, you know, a lot of it that we talked about is kind of surface level. I, I, I think we got kind of deep about the, the end and um, kind of the, the way the relationship between the developer and the owner fractured. Um, and and what that ended up causing to occur because let's let's be honest everything that ended up happening eventually was because of that yeah uh, that uh that mistrust um and i i wish i had known more sooner but you know as much as i wish i had known more sooner there's the part of me that's like, well, what could I have done with that information? Right? Like, what, what do I have to do? Um, but, you know, uh, I did want to, 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 to roll back a little bit. Um, when we were, you know, uh, the layoffs had occurred, uh, we were already working on a different project. 
and whatnot. I'm in bed on... Uh, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm in bed on uh, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my wife wakes me up on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> anyway, I'm cranking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my man. wife wake, wakes me up on Valentine's Day and I'm like, oh, you're waking me up on Valentine's Day. And she's like, you really need to check your phone for news. And I'm like, uh oh, what? On Valentine's Day? On Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. And, um, <laughs> Remember how we had talked about uh, THQ? Uh, well, Nordic. Oh, that's right. Uh, We've come full Nordic. circle. We have come full circle at this point. Um, Nordic had become THQ Nordic, and they had actually purchased Koch, um, which owned us. So once again, Volition was part of THQ. That um, Man, that still blows my yeah. mind. That that how many people at Volition were THQ employees twice? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is hilarious Waste to me. Hand, I am. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was very weird uh to, to have that occur. Um especially because it's Valentine's Day morning, you're like, oh your wife's waking you up. Um <laughs> <laughs> This is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. <laughs> um, um but yeah, it, it, like I said, at that point, I was already uh, in the process of <laughs> of uh, looking elsewhere and, and whatnot. Um, huh. Man, so, I, I feel like we What a long, we've... strange trip it's been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually really looking forward to us being able to talk about what you're doing now. You guys haven't announced anything at all right now, right? No, okay. um, if you if you go to our website, mm -hmm. uh, Archetype Entertainment um, is the website, and uh, look at what we're all about. Uh, our main mission statement is: our goal is to create the greatest story-driven role-playing games in the world. Okay. Uh, we are a autonomous division of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, we are working with people that have worked on all the way back to the original Baldur's Gate um, and Mass Effect games. Um, and it does say we are uh, assembling a world-class team to build a multi-platform role-playing game set in a new science fiction universe. Okay. So you can take from that what you want. Um, but it's going to be a bit before, all right. before you hear anything about what we're doing. Well, the good news is once there is stuff you can talk about, we can have you back on to talk about it. And I look forward yeah. to that for sure. Now, I'm looking at your guys' website now. Looks like you got some jobs available as well. <laughs> we do. We have a couple of jobs available. Um, All right. So if you are, uh, if you are looking for, for, for some stuff, we are, we are very slowly ramping up. I will say that. Okay. And you're in Austin still, right? We are in Austin. Okay. Yes. Man, I I still I love that I got to see what was that last year when I was down there and we went to the barbecue place. Mm. Like that mm -hmm. was uh I love that like the nice Style thing switch. about yeah. yeah, oh that's right, that's what it was called. And and the, and 
that band the tenders was playing while we were sitting out there and i actually started following them on social media and i've been kind of keeping track of them uh but but I, the thing i love about the games industry and and this is this has been kind of my favorite thing overall is every time you leave a studio or someone that you work with leaves a studio now you have friends that scatter all over the country but they generally scatter into a, a set number of major locations. So mm-hmm. anytime I visit these places, I'm like, hey, who's around? And then usually at least five or six people are able to come out and hang for a while. And I get to see people I haven't seen in a while. And I love that. Yep. Um, the other thing, too, is like, uh, to your point, the game industry is actually very tiny, despite being very, very big. <laughs> um, everybody knows somebody. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> Uh, for good and bad right like <laughs> yes pro tip yeah uh don't burn bridges don't be a terrible person don't be a terrible person don't be a dick right like <laughs> right um because uh that will follow you that will reflect on you and somebody is going to know and somebody is going to ask yep oh they're definitely going to ask Yep. Because one of the first things that happens is people look at your LinkedIn and see where you worked and they're like, oh, I know somebody that worked there. Hey, do you know this guy? That happens yep. every time. Every time. Don't be a dick. <laughs> and if you are a dick, try to be less of a dick. Right. <laughs> try to be a better person, damn right. it. Stop being a dick. <laughs> well, I mean, Richie, killing people doesn't necessarily make you a dick. That's, that's true. Um, you right. could be a super um, nice guy and a murderer, probably. Right. Probably. Um, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't know. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I feel like we've I feel like we've covered it like we've I mean, there's always we could always get deeper into to this and that. Right. But we could. And like I said, there there are a lot more stories to tell. But I think that they they are stories for other people to tell because they are things that I was just privy to. They aren't right. things I was necessarily involved oh, with. I gotta do um, a robot laugh real quick. Okay. <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was redeemed in chat. I had to do that. My bad. <laughs> okay. But I would totally be down to do a panel chat where we get into yeah. everyone's uh, stories so of what I, they're going through. I was because just thinking about that. I probably don't know. Like yeah. there, there are probably things that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's something I was just thinking about. There, there's a couple of things I want to do. I want to have a couple of larger groups come in and chat about more general things. But at the same time, I also want to pick like a few topics where we just were mm-hmm. like, Hey, let's talk about mentorship. Or, hey, let's talk mm-hmm. about diversity. You know, like, like let's let's grab three or four people and let's kind of just, just chat about our experiences with these specific yeah. topics and things like that. So there's definitely going to be more opportunities for you to join us in the near future. And I got to say, though, tonight honestly might be my favorite stream that we've done so far for a couple Aww. of reasons. <laughs> One... We had a lot of spicy talk, right? And and I, and I love I love that we we had some spicy chat, but we also got really real, right? And and there's there's people don't often realize how much we put into this of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And how invested yep. we get in this and the friendships that we make 
and how much it hurts when things go wrong. And 100%. people need to understand that. And I, and I love that we, we got into that a bit and it was very real. And I appreciate, you know, your, your open conversation and discussion about this stuff. And, and I think people are going to really appreciate it. Well, that's awesome. Like I, for anybody that's interested in the industry, I, for as much as I love creating and as much as I love it, I, I think people deserve to know how or the reality of what what happens or what can happen, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, because for as much fun as we have, and we had tons of fun, so much fun. Um, and there were days and weeks and months even where on, on AOM, we were laughing and, you know, we would go and have meetings at uh, quality uh, qualities of bar for people that don't know uh, to talk through. And it wasn't because, oh, we need to drink while we're talking about this because it's really deep and we hate everything. But, um, <laughs> but you know, because we were a group of friends and we were having good times together for, for as much as, uh, you know, for as many good times that exists, you, you have to take those times that it gets rough and hard and raw. That's what uh, she in said. Conjunction with them. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I, I oh. couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's what the industry is. Yeah. No, it really is. Um, and I, I, m my experience isn't, uh, isn't unique. Right, my experience on AOM is not. It it is unique in that every single situation that occurred is something that only happened to me. Yeah, but the tribulations, the publisher distrust, the uh, times of crunch and hard decisions, and all of this—that's everywhere. Yeah, that's everywhere. Um, and people that want to get in or people that are just interested in how games get made need to know this. Um, and I love talking about it um, because I, I want them to have that knowledge uh, going forward. I want them to make knowledgeable decisions about, you know, the industry they might want to get into or the industry they love supporting. Yeah. Now that's man. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff there and i the th one of the things that i that i love most about doing this is one it's my favorite night of the week cuz i get to have a friend on and we just drink and we talk about the old days right that's always great but the the real purpose here is for people that are not in this industry to start to get a glimpse of what it's like to actually be inside of it and this kind of conversation is very real and and really helps people understand like that we're humans trying to do a cool thing and trying to you know be fulfilled in our lives and a lot of the stuff that goes on around us is out of our control mm -hmm. and we do the best that we can every day right and yes and and understanding how often that's what you deal with is is really important if this is what you want to do yep okay i have to i have to do this because zelly reminded me 
and we need to end on a light note. <laughs> We're going to end. On oh, a light your favorite playtest story. Yes. All right, let's hear it. Let's story hear it. Is one of the most hilarious, best things ever. We're testing Saints Row 4. This is pretty close to when the game was going to ship. Um, and there were a lot of really fun playtests. There was the playtest where somebody fought a warden for like an hour and they kept getting killed and like we're we're in the we're not in the playtest room we're not even in the uh uh room where Zelly and Jordan were uh we're just at our desk because we have streams that we can watch and we're in the combat room we had we had made the the warden and tuned it we're like oh god this is the worst thing ever and the dude is like yes this was the most satisfying fight i've ever had in a video game i when i finally beat this guy it was the best thing so there were a lot of really cool things. This one, however, <laughs> I'm actually part. I'm I'm I am in the room for the debrief uh, of this playtest session. So people that don't know, uh, the way that playtest sessions go generally is uh, we put players in a room. There's a moderator in the room to just make sure if things crash um, or people have questions, uh, they can. Answer the questions in a way that doesn't influence their opinion. Um, that is a very important part of it. Uh, but they are able to at least set them on the right path so that they can continue their play session. Um, the build that we had for this play session this day, we, um, for people that don't know, Saints Row, uh, you can actually play your character in the nude. <laughs> but we put, you know, if you're a woman, we put black bars over the uh, over the private extremities. And if you're a dude, we put a black bar over the extremity. <laughs> um, but in this build, the black bars were not working. <laughs> um, not working. Yeah. <laughs> not working. So this dude is playing as a woman, which totally fine, totally cool. Like, you know, play as who you want to be in a game. <laughs> awesome. But we're, we're in the, the debrief session. I'm actually in the room for the debrief because uh, we were uh, part of the focus was on the superpowers that I had worked on. And we're going around the room. And this dude is on the last computer or the last system that we're going to get to. He's going to be last. And I can see him. He is frustrated. He is super upset about something. And <laughs> I am ready for it. I'm right. like, okay, let's hear it. Here it comes. Because during, during a play, like as a designer, what you want to get out of a play test is information as to how to make the game better right? You want to hear difficult opinions or what somebody had a problem with so that you can improve uh, what, what you're doing or what, what they're playing with. And we get to this guy. And he talks briefly about the game, just, you know, we're, we're talking general opinions is, 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 is this part of the debrief. And he goes, oh, Okay, the one thing that really, really bothered me with this game is that there weren't areolas and nipples. Oh um, my god. Um, so <laughs> we weren't actually, because we have the black bars there, we weren't modeling the, the, right. those things. Right, there's in, no need for that. The game. Like, there's no need to do it. Um, and 
Uh, Jordan uh, Lynn is sitting next to me, and he 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 goes. <laughs> um, and I am trying not to laugh, but Zelly, who is moderating this uh, this uh, debrief, is a consummate professional, like absolutely the best in the situation. <laughs> and actually, is like, well, what bothered you? And he goes, well, the fact that they weren't there was very bothersome to me, and I think that it's a missed opportunity. And he gets into this. I am. I'm not kidding you, uh, five minute like diatribe about how if we had uh, areola and nipple customization, how much it would add to the game and how people built their characters. Oh my gosh. Um, and like how you, like, no, it was. It was so specific, like you could have the outer ring and the inner ring and have them be different Nipple sizes. Sliders. Um and like I am I am doing my best not to die during this. Um, oh man. Uh but yeah, like but what's important about that is you know players only take uh, what you put in front of them, yeah, right? right? That's all they see. And their opinions are going to exist based on what is there. So everything he was saying wasn't... It was technically weird, but for him and what his expectation was based <laughs> on what he was seeing wasn't actually <laughs> incorrect. Right, um, right. <laughs> But yeah, oh, it was so so good. Um, Jordan actually died. Jordan is actually undead um, because when we got back into uh, the uh, the room after we had done this, he he was uh, like literally on the floor dead. Um, because if anybody knows Jordan, uh, you would understand why this would absolutely kill him. Um, but uh, yeah, that is my oh absolute my favorite playtest story. Um, with the the second one being the I want everybody, including my grandma, to be able to play Ghost Recon. So I actually brought my grandma in to playtest Ghost Recon, who doesn't understand how the uh, camera works. Um, so they spent the entire time looking at the ground or the sky. We had we had a moment of that on uh, early on a Saints Row project where they brought in a guy that was in his 80s and he'd never played a game before. <laughs> like, well, that's uh, that's not very helpful. So. <laughs> All right, man. But I think that that is a great high note to end. It on. is. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. No, seriously, though, I, I really appreciate you coming back on like i think this has been a really good night like i said and and i i look forward to you know figure us figuring out an opportunity for you to come back again soon for some kind of opportunity uh, to chat absolutely and then, and then also as soon as you can you know want to come back on and talk about the things you're working on we will be more than happy to have you do that as well fantastic and 
and, and like some of the stuff that I, you know, I really would like to get into if like we're do, if you do panels or whatever, I really didn't, I, I kind of touched on, you know, how you want to get people involved on a project, my management style, all of that. Ooh, management um, style is good too. Like yeah. that is, that is stuff that I would love to delve deeper on at some point. We should also like throw some, like some polls into the, into the discord or something and see what kind of things people would like for us to prioritize. So Yeah. We will figure that out and we're going to make it happen. Awesome, man. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yes. Thank you very much. I'm going to jump over, say my goodbyes and I appreciate you. And I look forward to uh, having you back on again soon and we'll chat some more. Cool, man. Have a great evening. All right, man. Later. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. Every Thursday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you so you don't miss out on anything. Be sure to follow me on all my social media using the links in the show notes, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.